There was now, in the minds of many, the suspicion that there must be more to the story. Perhaps it was because the human mind demanded a symmetry of cause and effect. Surely the motive, if not the killer, somehow had to fit the size of the victim. A gnat simply does not kill a lion. Ooh, Scott, you've got us going already this morning. Well, I got it in one take, which is usually not the case when I try something like that. So I'm excited that we didn't botch it. That is very true. Yeah. You guys are both one takers and I'm like, I, I need three every time. But I got that one in one. You just you get did. like this nervous, I don't know, you'll start coughing. Yeah. Or <coughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I did it already. I don't know if y'all have <clears throat> noticed out there, sometimes I can't get all your coughs out. Scott likes to cough while we record and he does not do it any other time. Nope. It's nerves. It's a nervous thing. I think. It is. Yeah. It's a tick. You yeah. would think it was just a regular old smoker's cough, but it's really not. <laughs> no, <laughs> it doesn't have one of those. I don't you have. Don't. Not yet. I'm working on it. Yeah. You do not have. But not yet. You, yeah. The only. Mm. You're. You're absolutely right, Katie. The only time he coughs is mm-hmm. when these mics go live. I know. And now that I'm thinking about it, of course, I'm going to do it again today. You're going to keep coughing. Do you have something to drink? I have some iced tea at okay. my at in my your here. Steelers cup. Yeah, we don't have a table in the studio, mm. so I no mean, blinds, no table, plenty of empty boxes. There is a full desk in front of you. Yeah, but it's your sunglasses. You see Got to reach across I have, it. I, I see it, but you're sitting closer. I should I have, have scooted my chair over. Two drinks yeah. on the desk. Yeah, that's excessive. Is it? I think so. Well, actually, Katie has two drinks. I, Katie has three drinks I like on to her have desk. Three drinks at all times. It's a joke amongst my friends. I like. <laughs> okay, I did not a know multitude that. Multitude of drinks. Something with caffeine. Yeah. Something with a fizz. Yeah. Okay. Something usually then just a water. There's always like two in a water. Don't I mean? Doesn't a, nice. doesn't a Coca Cola pretty much handle that? Nope. We're going to speak about Coca Cola today. There's no water in a Coca Cola. There's some. You don't taste I don't it. count well, no. my caffeine from my diet. Okay. You can't drink 10 Cokes a day and say you had 10 waters. That's true. <laughs> Although plenty of people try. They do. I know friends who are, uh, they're, they're hooked on Dr. Pepper. Mm. And if you're a Dr. Pepper drinker, you probably know this. You always have a Dr. Pepper in your yeah. hand. Yeah. Love it. I don't, I, my Dr. Pepper drinking friends don't just drink one. Mm-mm. It's constant. There are worse things to be hooked on. Oh, sure. On. I'm not making fun but but you know what you're you're right my son loves dr peppers and we had to limit them mm-hmm. and he was not happy about oh, that bless him i know yeah, but he'll get over it the day that he does he gets he gets a dr pepper a couple of days a week okay and the days that he does mm-hmm. We're ready to peel him off of the scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's okay. a little bit more active. <laughs> no, he's not that bad. I've got a best friend who loves Diet Coke like that. And I didn't realize, so she'll carry around like a Stanley type of cup, like, you know, big yeah, tumbler like or whatever. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, usually those have water in them. Usually. Most, Diet Coke at all points. I'm like, is that your Diet Coke cup you just always carry around? It's my iced tea cup, my Steelers mm-hmm. tumbler. Always has iced tea. In There's it. a joke yeah. in my family. My kids will grab my cup. And they'll they'll be like, "Is this water?" Nope. <laughs> and they're like, "It never is." And I'm like, "Correct." That's correct. Uh, I don't like to drink at, out of cups like that that you can't see into mm. if it's not water. Oh, that's strange. That is like I especially like I don't like. There's a whole thing too. I I don't like to drink milk out of anything that's not clear, except I can drink it out of like a 
throwaway cup, like a solo cup. Oh, I got you. It's yeah. too many rules mm. for Katie to consume. A lot liquids. of beverage rules. Yeah, I didn't realize that was a thing. It's Guys, my name is Scott Wright. I am a mediocre journalist. Kelly Turner, not a doctor. Katie Givens, not a lawyer. <laughs> All right. Uh, so back to our discussion. Uh, I don't really have, I've just got the one hard and fast rule. I have to have my Steelers tumbler. At yeah. all times. And it, mm-hmm. it has iced tea in it with the, uh, it's sweetened artificially. Do you do Splenda? Yes. Okay. I'm a Splenda guy. Splenda. So, yeah. That's, I'm a Splenda if I'm picking an artificial sweetener. That's how I keep my terrific figure because I don't do any uh, exercise at all. Mm. Except when probably... I got out of the car and walked into here. Okay. Yeah. You that's should incorporate a little, a little exercise. Yeah. I know. That's it's what my doctor says. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. I get enough of a heart workout every week with you guys. <laughs> What? I don't know what that means. Uh-huh. It's stressful on my heart to be in here. It's just. I'm going to tell you, if we have any more episodes like Katie did this Ugh. time, we're all going to need Still getting a little over something. That. Yeah. that one's rough. But last week, Scott, you did an incredible job yes. with oh, JFK. It was a great 101 yeah. to JFK, which is what we said we are. Well, last week I had 15 pages of notes. This week I have one page of notes. So I, I'm going to wing it today. We're all, the three of us are going to wing are. it today and try and see if it. But I, see if that's uh, I, and we'll get into this. I wanted to talk talk to you about. Uh, I watched Parkland. Oh yeah, great movie. And I watched the documentary. What the doctors yeah. knew, saw. What the what doctors, the doctors saw. saw. That's right. Where is that doc? I can't remember. Where it's I Paramount that. Plus. Paramount Plus. And uh, then Parkland was on Amazon. Okay. Prime, and I had to rent it. Yeah. But it was, same here. Yeah. It was like two ninety nine. Right. Think. Worth it. Very, yeah. very well worth. it. I watched it, it twice. Yeah. yeah. It Katie, was you watched do- it too. I did, and it was a dollar difference between renting and buying. And I sat there for a minute, and I was watching it with Shane, and I said, "Should I rent this or buy it? I mean, it's just a dollar difference." And he's like, "Whatever you want." He said, "Are we going to watch it again?" I said, "I don't know, but I always get nervous that I'm going to fall asleep." during yeah. a movie mm-hmm. or want to watch mm-hmm. it you know whatever yeah. and uh he's like and i sat there i mean probably a good five minutes looking at it and i finally bought it yeah and he was like that was ridiculous that was entirely too long of a decision over one dollar difference yeah. <laughs> i'll bet you're fun to be in line behind at the sandwich shop oh no no no. I, I wouldn't do that in line at people <laughs> okay I, like that drives me nuts i hate when we're sitting at a restaurant and someone at the table not i guess i'm worse with my own family not yeah. With strangers or acquaintances. But my own family, like, you need to know what you want when that waitress yeah. comes. Yeah, when, when she like, walks up right with her with her notepad mm-hmm. or her mm-hmm. tablet, mm-hmm. be ready. Mm-hmm. Yes. But she's got other things to do. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, no, and I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Not my mm-hmm. family. They'll be like, oh. <laughs> but I know what you're going to order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, w- don't quit acting like you don't, you haven't made your decision. I know there's yeah, four yeah. things on this menu you might like. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to get the chicken fettuccine just like last time mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That you always get. That you always Turners get. Turners are a little bit different. I mean, we come in, sit down. We know. I mean, she's getting the drink <laughs> order. Or he's getting the yeah. drink order. And we're like, we can order now. We're ready. I'm always ready. We're, and sometimes, most of the time we are, but there's all that. Mm-hmm. Well, I chose the place because uh, there's something on the menu that's in my yeah. mind. Like yesterday, I came to Easy Street mm-hmm. and I knew I was going to get the wings when I walked in the door. You knew mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Didn't need a menu. Nope. Sometimes I'll still look at a menu just to make sure. Yeah. Is and this it, what I want today? Do I want to, what do I want? Is something calling to I me? I ended up mm-hmm. forgetting to order the wings, but that's what I was going to get. That wow. happens to you. Yeah. I know. It happened yesterday. Wow. Well, it's about like last time Shane and Ellison and I were sitting down eating dinner and she's looking at the menu. We have to make Meg come back twice because she can't decide what she wants. And this Poor is at, at Easy Street. I mean, it, it wasn't, she was fine, but I'm still sitting there like, mm. yeah. She it, Shane orders, she just ends up getting the exact same thing he got. She's like, oh, I'll just get that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to kill all of you. 
Um, I had a question. Have you guys, yeah. I know that Katie already had, it's a yes for Katie. She's already put up her Christmas tree. Yes. I you have. guys have the Christmas tree up. I saw somebody on the way to the uh, studio today with a Christmas tree strapped to the top of their vehicle. So somebody is out there today. It's Sunday as we record. Yeah. It's Wednesday as you listen, but somebody is out there this Sunday, November the 26th, uh, making a day of it, decorating yeah. the family Christmas tree. So mm-hmm. that's how <clears throat> I spent my black Friday. Okay. Yes. Mine takes 30 seconds. Mm. It's a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. It goes on it. my dining room table, plug it in. I'm done. I love it. Mine and I do not, that on the 23rd of December. Mine is not decorated yet. <laughs> mm. I have some fuses, I think, out on my Christmas tree. Shane has yeah. procured the fuses, but he needs to replace them. You guys have those old, big, old-timey lights on the tree? I don't remember. No. I have one pencil tree yeah. in our game room that has this big, colorful light. The big lights, like I remember from the 70s. It, it doesn't cool. have any other ornaments, because it's yeah. a pencil tree. It's oh, that's tiny. that's fun, though. Yeah. But it's just those big lights. Mm-hmm. Love it. And they're also a fire hazard, if I remember correctly. Probably not the Not the new ones. ones. Okay. The old ones, yes. Yeah, the old ones were. They were, Dad was always constantly, don't forget to water the tree. We don't want to burn the house down. Exactly. So, those that lights. Was a, that was a big that thing. On fire. Yeah. Um, we have, uh, I've got, let's see, uh, two pencil trees and then a tree in the living room. Mm-hmm. And then I have two little trees on each side of my front door. On oh, yeah, front sure. Porch with just lights on them. Yeah. But, um, we decorate the one in the living room, and then Nate has one in his room that he that he decorates. So mm-hmm. that's one of the pencil trees. All right, but and we guys- turn our entire house. It's like a house flip. Yes, you know, you've been to my house. I don't think you have Katie on Halloween. You've been to my house. Uh, on yeah. Halloween. No, I haven't. Mm-hmm. I've have seen pictures of the decorations, but never. Yeah, it's it's okay. the whole thing. You've seen the the, it's the, the whole transition. nine yards. Christmas yes. is even more. It looks like uh, Doctor Frankenstein's laboratory. There's uh, <laughs> those buzz lights everywhere. You know, you touch them and they. Bzzz. No, but I literally <laughs> turn my pictures on the wall sideways and hang spider webs, and mm-hmm. it's just a whole yeah. thing. It's a whole process. Yeah. Christmas is it's even more. We we because I love Halloween. KT loves Christmas. When Christmas time rolls around, mm-hmm. KT is. I mean, that, he's in his element. Really? He's so happy there. The other day we were sitting at the table and, and I was messing with Katie about, you know, yo, you, you seem so happy today. You've got such a great attitude. And she cocks an eyebrow at me and she looks over and points at her dad. And I'm like, don't point at your dad. It's Christmas time. Your dad is whistling Christmas tunes at his ass. I mean, let him be happy for one month out of the year. Don't, don't say dad's not happy. Dad is very happy. During Christmas time. So, you know, but he loves it. And so we, we, and, and I like, it. it's not my favorite holiday, but I do enjoy it. And Sounds like a lot of work. Stuff, but it was. But. Well, you've got a big family. Now, you, you entertain people at your home, which is why you do the, the Halloween decorations. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's the same at Christmas. Yeah, we do Christmas so, morning. Yeah. you know, if you're going to have the big family get together, hey, why not go mm-hmm. all out? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It is fun. It is hard work. <clears throat> Sounds like. Um, but I had everybody at home. Okay. So all four yeah. turners were, were hard at work. It's your little yeah. helpers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it takes me so long because I'm so... Short. Well, that's true. Because <laughs> we do have a 12-foot tree, and so we have to get out the big ladder. Katie's like the shortest person yeah. with the tallest I know that's tree. not where she was going. I'm probably going to be in big I trouble know, for Ellison that. Ellison and I, because we have a 10-foot tree and a 12-foot tree, and she was able to help me get the 10-foot tree together, but yeah. the ladder had to come out for the 12-foot right. tree. Because... Mm-hmm. Did Shane get that put together? Because last time we spoke, it was like he did. Shane's got to do some things. He so did he get did. the top okay. two pieces on the twelve foot tree. Nice. Shane's probably uh, invented a gun 
that allows him to shoot the decorations onto the tree. Oh, like the lady in Whoville. Yes. On the I wish. If, any, if there's one of those, Shane has built it. That's why it's not decorated yet. Because I mean, I'm so particular and then I'll, mm-hmm. I'll get it done. I'll step back. I'll be like, mm, there's no, a hole. Yeah. yeah something's not right. Yeah. yeah. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. It's really not hard to decorate my Charlie Brown tree with the one little ball. Your way, Scott, is over. sounding more and more makes appealing. The whole thing <laughs> <lean> over. <laughs> not hard at all. Easy it. cleanup. It literally takes me 10 seconds to clean up after Christmas. Mm-hmm. So Our new cat, though, I did look up the other morning and see him about at the top. Ernest. Of, mm-hmm, about at the top of the 12 foot tree. Ernie, Be don't careful. fall and hurt yourself. I know, I got your picture this morning of, of your cat just laying peacefully at the yeah, foot she of your tree. just sits under the tree like right. a present. Yeah, Ernest, yeah. Is, he's got his extra toes because he's a Key West cat, so yes. he wants to climb things more than even normal. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I'm really hoping he's not big enough to knock the tree over. Mm. We shall see. Well, seen those videos. If he is, take a photograph because that will be hilarious to me. That will go viral. (laughs) All of our ornaments are like the shatterproof. So, oh, that's good. good. Hopefully that. Well, I think. I think I weeded out because we did like the first year we we bought ornaments when we were together. We got some glass ones in there, which is no good. If you end up with stitches in the bottom of your feet, you will know that you did not get them all. Yeah. <laughs> Ernest will end up with stitches in the bottom of his feet. Yeah. Or no the good. top of his head. Oh, no. Shane gets a hold of it. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so what do the dogs uh, think about the tree, Katie? They pay it no attention. Uh, ours doesn't either. Mm, they don't care. She, it's like she doesn't even Just realize. Somewhere else to pee. I mean, Ugh. well, she doesn't really, <laughs> that's funny, but she, she doesn't really do that. The cat is the one who notices okay. yeah. all of the. The cat thinks there might be a bird in it. Dinner might be in that tree. Yeah. My, my, yeah. My cat's a lot more curious than the dogs. They're just yeah. like, they care about people and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She care. My dog cares about people petting her. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all. Same here. The decorations can't do that. They've got nothing for her. Mm-mm. So what about your dog, Scott? Do they love your little tree? Yeah, uh, they can't see it. They're, <laughs> they're four inches off the ground and the tree's on top of the, the uh, dining room table. So they don't see anything. They don't so, know that anything is different. So what is, uh, what does your cat think though? Um, oh, yeah, your three cats. They're indifferent. Oh yeah. One of them is, in, uh, one of them just comes in to eat and he's right back out. Oh, I got you. And the other two stay in the house most of the time. Mm-hmm. And one of them is a uh, skittish and jumpy like, Sylvester in the Warner Brothers cartoon where they're staying in the ghost in the house that's haunted. Mm-hmm. Haunt, yes, that's, yes. That's Luna. And Bandit, he's 14 and he doesn't care. He's oh, just, yeah, he's like, screw you. What's, I'm in my retirement. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> Which yeah. one's the, the newest cat? That is Meow, the one that Karen uh, Boatfield gave me. I got it from Jake's on the Lake last year, which we're not supposed to mention on the show anymore. No, we always so, do. But is that the one that just Meow? He comes in, that's Meow. But I named him Meow because for the first two weeks, that was all he did. And after I named him Meow, I don't think he's ever said it again. He just needed a name? I, he, he just wanted to talk. He just wanted to get it all out, and he did. <laughs> and now he's got nothing left. Oh, my Lord. I don't know. Wow. He was telling you about how horrid it was living under Jake's on the lake. Yeah, that's true. Jake's going to be so excited. Like, Anyone here could have adopted me, and I am ended up at Scott's house? Yeah. <laughs> I saw Jake yesterday and I told him about our running gag. And he said, I know I listened to two episodes. I listened to Jonestown and Omama Nelson. You didn't mention me in either one. Uh-huh. I said, I tried to in both and it just didn't work out, especially the Omama Nelson when we were talking about uh, the wrong kind of uh, food. Mm. So I didn't want to uh, have you associated with anybody uh, cooking someone's head in the oven. <laughs> and he seemed to understand. Yeah. 
that after that. Just, so uh, he was like, oh yeah, hey, thanks. Yeah, just rough, yeah. So maybe he'll listen today. And why were you today's. around Jake yesterday? We were Scott? in, we were at Easy Street watching football. Uh-huh. That's true. That's a true story. What else did you watch? Oh, we might have watched. Yesterday, Scott. Oh, Kelly's our disgruntled Auburn fan in the room. (laughs) The Iron Bowl was yesterday. And despite uh, our best efforts, Alabama managed to win the game. Uh, It was a great game, though. 27-24 was the final score. Uh, Bama scored in the last 30 seconds of the game to pull that one out. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Auburn outplayed them. Auburn beat them everywhere but the scoreboard yesterday. So hats off if you you can take consolation in a game well played. Mm. Hugh Freeze's first Iron Bowl was a memorable one. It was. The TikToks of, like, the Auburn fans, like, video themselves because they're about to win and they're, like, getting ready to video the celebration. And then you just see everyone's face go just drop. I can't imagine videoing that and then posting it. And then still posting well, it. Well, because you know yeah, that's going to go viral. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know. but that's- what kills me is all the Auburn fans on the on the TikToks and stuff that are crying, and I just want to say, look, guys, if you're going to be an Auburn fan, no tears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No tears. We're not going to put up with any of that because you're going to be crying a lot, and it's going to get on the rest of our nerves. Yeah, and... <laughs> And the sun comes out tomorrow. If there, if there's anything that the Auburn fan base should know how to do, it's lose. Sorry, guys. I'm an Auburn fan. I've been an Auburn fan for a long time now. As long as I've known you. So you just know when you get well, to be my age, you're like, yep. Well, everything goes in cycles. In five years, if we're still sitting here, uh, you and I will change positions as far as who's complaining about what. <laughs> probably. Well, you perhaps. never know about the Iron Bowl because that's you never true. Know. Yeah, I mean, the line was 14 points, and it came down to the last possession of the game. And I did tell KT, it would be the most Auburn thing to do to lose to New Mexico State and then beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. That's like the yes. most Auburn thing. I really thought that it was going to be Yeah, like, I think a lot of Alabama fans were concerned about But we that. did end up doing a very Auburn thing in the fact that I don't know what was going on with the defense for that last few plays, but mm. whatever, you know? Yeah. So. Auburn yeah, will play together. Alabama like they are the number one team in the nation. Like, and then Auburn just is quit the all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> and then just like quit. All it's always, sudden. you can throw it, the, the records and the <laughs> the injuries and the history, you can throw it all out the window Yeah, on really. Iron Bowl Saturday. I know it's pe- the same both ways too, because <clears> I remember yeah. years ago when, you know, Auburn would be really good and they're supposed to win and they didn't. I mean, right. just it's just not the way it works yeah. a lot of times. I know people on the internet just being like, how can Alabama even be happy winning this game? Or why do they even care about this game? Auburn's what, six and six or whatever. And it's like, you have you no don't idea. understand. You don't understand. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. If you're just, asking just that stay, question, you stay out of it. Yeah, if, yeah. if you, if you, if those are your comments. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we go into the sec game with, uh, I can't think of two worse teams to be playing in the sec championship for an Auburn fan than Alabama and Georgia. Yeah. Who do you root for? No one. Yeah. You hope the lights go out and they the power goes. <laughs> It depends on how old you are. Really, yeah. on who, you know, I will say that I had worse experiences in school at Auburn with Georgia fans. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, yeah, LSU fans were also. They were, um, they, see, we would always have a good time when LSU would come to town or when Florida would come to town. Mm-hmm. Um, and the few times that Tennessee, that we played Tennessee, it wasn't that bad. But for Alabama, that's, a, that's another nasty rivalry because yeah. you guys play them. Yeah, every single. Yeah, day. I think true Alabama fans dislike Tennessee a lot more than they dislike Auburn. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, that, that's me. And Auburn's other rival is Georgia. Yeah. I have a lot of yeah. friends who are Auburn fans, so no. I, I want you guys to be happy, except for that one Saturday, like yesterday was. <laughs> really, but I don't know yeah. that many Tennessee folks. So and I have screw some. Them. I have. I have both. I have Alabama and Georgia fans that are, yeah, that are friends here. of mine. So you know, 
I guess I can just tell everybody good luck next week. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of friends of ours, you know, my friend John Gartrell, who looks like Huey Lewis. Yes. He listened to the episode this week <laughs> and he reached out and said he had forgotten about that trip that we took. How about that? So he was, mm-hmm. he was reminiscing as he was listening to the mm-hmm. podcast episode last week. And I meant to call out uh, shout out uh, Kaylee Jolly. Oh, Last week, we okay. talked about her sister, Caitlin Jolly Gossett, mm-hmm. but when I saw Caitlin Jolly Gossett, she was with her sister, Kaylee Jolly, and I told her that I would give her a shout out, and I forgot, and so there. Wait. Done. Kaylee Jolly, you have now been shouted out. Is it Callie or Kaylee? Why are you looking at me weird? I think it's Callie. Okay. She, Caitlin, tell me how Scott, to pronounce it so I wouldn't screw it up, and I yep. did it anyway, maybe. Anyway, Caitlin's little sister. Okay, look. Wait, look, wait, wait, wait. The Jolly sorry. Girl. Because there's Carly. And yeah. there's Callie and there's Caitlin. There's Callie then is who I'm okay. talking about. Way to go, Scott. That's what, super What did job. I say? Kaylee? Super job. Yeah. Callie. Yeah. Kaylee. Oh, she said it's not Kaylee. That's mm. how she, that she told me what it wasn't. She didn't tell me what it was as far as the pronunciation it's goes. It's not Kaylee or it is Kaylee? It's not Kaylee. Okay. Are it's you sure? Callie. No, yeah. I'm not. Okay. Not at all. I didn't think We're so. going to get a call from the Jollies again. Callie, thank you for listening <clears throat> and, yeah. uh, and sorry. sorry about Scott. Yeah. That's the best I can do. Yeah, I got you. They all know that. Did you guys talk to your father's in law about the Kennedy assassination and their memories from that day? Did anybody remember? No, because I, I sent you turds. I know, I a, know. a text right at noon on Thanksgiving Day. Hey, don't forget to ask about JFK. No, you didn't. I most certainly did. You Maybe did I forgot send, to hit you did send. Send us a text, but I can't remember when it came through. It was at twelve eighteen on Thanksgiving Day because I was oh, afraid you'd was, already sat down at the dinner table. That was too early for me. I'd already okay. forgot about yeah, it. Yeah, I was uh, knee deep in oh, family yeah. dinner lunch to ask that day. About Hello, okay. I know. I thought about it too after we left. No, you didn't. Anyway, yeah, I remembered because we watched Parkland after. The, oh, okay. After okay gotcha. Well, I remembered and I asked my mom, and she okay. told me a story, and so she just like, uh, just like Katie and I. My mother is a graduate of Cedar Bluff High School. Mm-hmm. Katie, you've never been in the two-story old building. You've seen sketch drawings yeah. on the walls. I was in that building until seventh grade. But mom, that was the only school building mm-hmm. uh, in, in the 60s. Mom remembers the entire student body, probably about 400 kids, K through 12 at the time. Yeah, she's probably there with my grandmother. Yeah, being called. And she'd be a little younger. And uh, I had, both of my parents are Cedar Bluff graduates. I think I knew that, but yeah. I'm not sure. Well, they would have been in that building too. They were they yeah, graduated they in the seventies. So okay, yeah, they would they have been in that building. Yeah. It was there until eighty five or eighty four. Mom said that the entire student body was called into the gymnasium. Uh, Katie, you know that as the library, mm-hmm. but then it was called the old gym because we had two gyms at the time. Then it was only the gym because they only had the one. Okay. But the the whole student body was called in, and uh, Coach Bruce, LD Bruce, the principal, announced that Kennedy had passed away. And mom remembers going back to her classroom and standing in front of a window and looking out towards the flagpole and a classmate coming up beside her and saying, Vicki, this is bad. Mm. That's her lasting memory because it was, remember it was the, it was the height of the cold war. They didn't know if this was a prelude to a Russian nuclear attack at the time. So a lot of uncertainty. It was a, was a very popular president. Very. Yeah. Especially for young, young people. Yeah. The youngest president that ever elected to office, so and the first president he, he born in the twentieth so century. Yeah. He was forty three when he was elected. He was forty six when he was shot. Good gracious! So, so, so really young. appealed to the younger generation because he wanted he was he wanted to bring peace to the world. And now we can't get anyone what, not in war. their seventies. Can we can, can we get a compromise? Can we get somewhere in the middle? I would love it if we could. It would be, be great, great, but I, 
Yeah. I don't know. And another thing that I mentioned last week, what I did, guys, I grabbed this piece of paper that I'm holding in my hand and I listened to the podcast twice. Okay. Because we left a lot of things dangling. Okay. Last week, there were 14. A lot of hanging chads. Yes, there were a lot of hanging chads, if you're going to reference the 2000 election. Um, There were 14, and I've written them all down. Katie has no idea about George Bush and Al Gore, the 2000 election in Florida. hanging chads in Florida. Um, That's probably an episode. No, that's not really a crime. Well, it depends on which side of the aisle you're on, I guess, if it was a crime or not that George Bush was president. Um, I said that, that last week's episode, before you mentioned... Kelly, you said, if you're driving to grandmother's house, mm-hmm. we've got you covered. And I said, yeah, this is going to be a long one. It was only an hour and 17 minutes long last week. And I looked to see our longest episode ever at over 125 minutes is the 100th episode with uh, the Judith Ann Neely, Lisa Ann Milliken redo yeah. that we did that made our 100th episode. That was uh, an hour and 25 minutes. I think okay. I said 125 minutes. You did. It was an hour was and like, 25 dang, minutes. It was that long? It was an hour and 25, hour and 25 minutes. minutes. Right. I got gotcha. you. So that was As our longest one. It should have one. been. It was our hundredth episode. Yeah. All right. Well, let's what let's tie up some loose ends. Okay. Then, Scott. So, like I said, we I've started with the list of things that we didn't explain last time. Okay. And today's episode is going to be about conspiracies, right? Yes. JFK conspiracies. So what I did was I rearranged these things just a little bit, and I think that we can kill two birds with one stone here. I can explain. The, a few of the bigger conspiracy theories, and we can tie up all of our loose ends from last week. And next time, I will try not to have so many damn loose ends. Oh no, I think if we if you've got a two parter, you should have a lot of loose ends. Okay, never mind. No, I think you're doing great. All right, so if we're going to talk about conspiracies involving the JFK assassination, we've got to go back in time just a little bit because the first thing that's going to be an issue maybe for conspiracy theorists is the 1960 election itself, one of the closest elections in the history of the country. Uh, Texas and Illinois were the two states that it really came down to. And Katie, I said that wrong last week. JFK did win Texas in 1960. He didn't win the city of Dallas, but he he won the state of Texas overall. And that's Mm -hmm. why they had Lyndon Johnson on the ticket was to win the South because that was going to be what pushed him over. Their 27 electoral votes in Texas was huge at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. But the 1960 election in Illinois was decided in large part inside the city of San Francisco. And the story goes that one of the reasons... Um, did I say San Francisco? Uh-huh. I'm in Chicago. Sorry. Okay. I meant, yeah. Sorry, I sorry, sorry. Say, that's a far reach. <laughs> I mean, I have San Francisco Wait on my a brain. There's a San Francisco, Illinois? Yeah, Chicago, Chicago. Illinois. Chicago. And the, the story goes that JFK's father, Joe Kennedy, who was sort of a criminal himself back in the 30s, he was a rum runner. He, he ran alcohol. The reason that he had a billion-dollar fortune that JFK was going to inherit if he had lived long enough was because of all the illegal money that Joe Kennedy had made uh, running liquor during Prohibition. Oh, wow. So he knew members of the mafia, in particular a guy named Sam Giancana. And Sam Giancana was the boss in Chicago. And the story goes that Giancana pulled some strings and got Kennedy more votes than he might have gotten in a fair election. Uh-oh. And that was the difference in the 1960 election. So the election, talking about a, a fixed election, is nothing new. Nothing new. Oh. The world has always been burning. We say it all the time. Here we yeah. go. Yep. Again. Yep. So the mafia felt like they had done the Kennedys a huge favor. And then when Kennedy got into office, he made his re- younger brother, Bobby, the attorney general. And Bobby immediately went after the mafia. Okay. Hard. Yikes. 
That's awkward. And that pissed off the mafia. Did Bobby know? So there's one of your conspiracy theories. The mafia killed Kennedy because they turned on him after they helped him get elected in 1960. Well, let me, let's, let's, let's pause on this. Sure. Don't glaze over this. All right. Absolutely not. Was Bobby aware how their father made his money? I am sure that he was. I'm sure that the family knew Mm -hmm. how he had become rich. Uh, I don't think it was a closed secret, maybe an open secret in the family. So that's, I mean, there's some hypocrisy there a little bit. I mean, not absolutely. Bobby didn't do it, but you know, come on now. Yeah. You know, anyways, but he's making a career that that's like, he's as attorney general, he is going after the mafia. I want to do. I want to make a name for myself other than just being a Kennedy. Yeah. This way. Bobby had been the chief counsel back in the fifties of the, you guys remember when we talked about the Keith Alver hearings? Yes. Yes. Bobby was the, lead counsel for those mm-hmm. hearings. And that was the first time that the government had ever looked into the existence of organized crime. Right. And that was mm-hmm. in the 50s. And that's when Hoover was saying there, there's no Hoover's such still, the, he's the FBI director. He's still saying there's no such thing as organized no such, crime. There's no such thing as organized crime. That's right. And so he goes after the mafia and particularly uh, messes with Cuba, right? That, well, there are mobsters with ties to Cuba because, and that's another of our uh, conspiracy theories, the mafia was huge in in Cuba yes. until Fidel Castro took over the country in January of 1960, mm-hmm. and he slowly began the process of running the mafia out of Cuba. Yes. And there are very uh, big money-making casinos. They had casinos in Vegas as well, but also a big presence in Havana in the late 50s until Castro took over. Now, after Kennedy is elected and he takes office in January of 1961, three months later, the Bay of Pigs invasion happens. And that is the failed attempt by CIA trained and armed Cuban mercenaries to overthrow Fidel Castro in Cuba. And at the last minute, Kennedy decides not to send in the U.S. Marines and not to call in the U.S. Air Force when the invasion starts to go bad. But he was never going to do that. But the CIA, who had planned this operation during the Eisenhower administration, mm-hmm. they just kind of force-fed it to Kennedy when he got into office. Said, "Look, this this ball's already rolling downhill. This is happening. It, yeah, you can go along with it or not. Mm-hmm. But so it's happening. Ultimately, Kennedy did not go along. And with so it. then he said, "You know what? This is what I'm going to do. That's right. I'm not going to send. And then it's failed. And." He's blamed for it. He's blamed for it. And the the Cuban mercenaries, the people of Cuba who thought they were going to have some help overthrowing Fidel Castro, they're mad at Kennedy. Yeah. Castro is mad at Kennedy Mm -hmm. because there's an ongoing effort by the CIA to assassinate Fidel Castro. Yeah. And there's a rumor that Fidel Castro finds out about the attempt on his life. And he says, oh, you know what? Two can play this game. Mm -hmm. And that's another conspiracy theory that Castro had something to do with it. Yeah. 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 Hmm. And I guess we'll share at the end which one we buy into. Yeah, sure. There's one more uh, conspiracy throwback into the administration we have to discuss, the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. Okay. So, again, Cuba is involved. We've got Soviet nuclear missiles 90 miles off the coast of Florida. Cannot be allowed to stand. The military wants to invade Cuba. This is their chance. This is their third chance to get rid of Fidel Castro. But Kennedy chooses a different path. He negotiates with Soviet Premier uh, Khrushchev, and they resolve the Cuban Missile Crisis without resorting to blows or killing forty million people in an hour. Mm. Well, I—I I mean, I kind of 
like that. But yeah. that makes the military industrial complex mad. And that's another conspiracy theory hmm. that maybe they had something to do with uh, getting rid of Kennedy because he obviously wasn't going to go to war and that's what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And remember uh, Eisenhower famously warned the country in his final speech as president against the influence of the military industrial complex in this country because all they, they don't make money unless there's a war going on. Right, right. And four days after Kennedy was assassinated, President Johnson signed a, a, a memorandum, an executive order that allowed for more troops to go into Vietnam, mm. rescinding an order that Kennedy had already written a few weeks before he was killed that was going to pull a thousand U.S. troops out of Vietnam by the end of 1963 and have every U.S. troop out of Vietnam by the end of 1965. Mm. So the military industrial complex wasn't going to get its war in Vietnam. And that's another conspiracy theory. So there are several different <clears throat> players here who had millions, if not billions of reasons. Yeah. To kill him. Literally. Yeah. And we talked about the Warren Commission last week. And we talked about some of the people. We were going to tell you about some of the people who were members of the Warren Commission. And here's where that happens. Okay. It turns out that at least two of the people that were appointed on the Warren Commission, had ulterior motives for being there. Future President of the United States, Gerald Ford, who was a member of the House of Representatives representing Michigan at the time on the Warren Commission, he called J. Edgar Hoover the day after they met the first time and said, if you want a guy on the inside, I'm your guy. He's trying to cozy up to Hoover. Sure. So he offers, I'll be the spy inside. We'll make sure you guys don't called out or be made to look bad yeah. for whatever the Warren Commission is going to decide. One of the other members of the Warren Commission was a guy named Alan Dulles. He was a lawyer who had been the director of the CIA during the Bay of Pigs invasion. And when it failed, Kennedy fired his ass, mm-hmm. ran him out of town. And so they put Dulles on the commission to find out who killed the president who had fired him two years before. Seems like a conflict. And he's the guy who used to be the director of the CIA. He knows where everybody is buried. He knows what every skeleton key does. He knows all of the bodies in the closets. Mm -hmm. So he's going to make darn sure that nothing. That they stay in the closet. That, yes. That that it doesn't get back to the Warren Commission. Gotcha. And we mentioned that Lee Harvey Oswald Mm -hmm. spent three years living in the Soviet Union yes, and came back in October of 62, just about the time of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Well, it's pretty obvious and it seems pretty apparent that after that happened, it would have been standard procedure for both the FBI and the CIA to open files on Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm-hmm. If for no other reason than he was an American who had been a Marine who was stationed at a secret military base in Japan in the 1950s where they flew U-2 spy planes, goes to Russia for three years and then comes back Mm. they're suspicious of everything about him. The reason why it's important that Ford represented the FBI and Dulles represented the CIA on the Warren Commission is because they wanted to make sure that nobody on the Warren Commission found out what the FBI and the CIA already knew Mm -hmm. about Oswald because they both had files on him. And I don't think, in my heart of hearts, I don't think it was a conspiracy hatched by the CIA or the FBI to kill the president, but I think they were going to look so bad Mm, if all of this information had gotten out, there was a conspiracy to cover up this information Mm -hmm. to protect their asses. Yeah. Yeah. At the very least, there was that. No, that checks out though. Oh, and the other thing about the Warren Commission, they didn't hire their own investigators. They used the investigation 
the investigations that had already been completed by the FBI and the CIA oh. to complete the Warren report. So lazy. Yeah. They felt like they... They didn't do I think it was a more innocent time. I think that Earl Warren, the Supreme Court Chief Justice who was in charge of the Warren Commission, genuinely still believed in the then that's the why, righteousness of the U.S. government. That, we all know that's horse shit now, but he believed it back then. But that's why he was put in charge then. Maybe it was. Because he was old school. He was born in the 19th century. He still believed in mm-hmm. patriot, patri- uh, patriotism and, mm-hmm. and yeah. Americans are the best mm-hmm. people on the planet. He still believed in all that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Johnson knew that and that's why he put him there? Or do you think Johnson was truly trying to get to the bottom of it? I think Johnson was more concerned than anything about the possibility that somehow Oswald's involvement in the conspir- or in the assassination would be linked to a conspiracy that would be linked to the Soviet Union, that there would be a demand for a nuclear attack and he was going to have those so 40 million to, people. Oh, gotcha. It's in everybody's best interest for it to be Lee Harvey Oswald, who shot the president, mm-hmm. acting alone, yep. three shots, the end. Well, let's just think and about And that's that. what the Warren Commission said, basically. Okay, well, let's just think about that right now. Who else was assassinated after that? What do you mean? Who else died after Kennedy was killed besides uh, Oswald? Oh, who else? Let's, are you going to go through all of that? No, but that's a that's a whole other thing. There are a lot of people who have been involved in uh, witnesses to various aspects of what could be conceived or mm-hmm. cobbled together to make a conspiracy. Who have died under mysterious circumstances through the but years? There, but that's are, a whole other conspiracy. But those are witnesses. We're yeah, not those are talking witnesses. about bigger leaders. This yeah. is why I'm not as inclined to believe that Russia was involved yeah. is because nothing else happened after that. Right. As far as yeah, nothing Russia happened. would be concerned. Yeah, and Russia would have no interest in killing the president who had been the most uh, eager to work with him to yeah. achieve peaceful solutions to world problems. And, and turns out, you know, knowing now looking back at the time, you know, Russia was struggling yeah, sure. I mean, there were a lot of people in poverty and Well, they were a lot they had they didn't have nearly as many nuclear weapons as we did or as many airplanes the, or the as many tanks or anything else. And things like that. I mean, they were, you know, putting things together with duct tape. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know that they had the ability mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to pull this off. Yeah. Agreed. And so you've got to have for the Warren Commission report to be factual. You've got to just have the three shots. Yeah, bam, bam, bam. That's the only way that it works for the Warren Commission. If you could prove that there was a fourth shot, then you've got, by definition, a conspiracy because somebody else shot a gun from somewhere that day. And in 1976, the House Special Committee on Assassinations was formed, and they spent three years investigating the assassination of John F. Kennedy and the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Okay. Now, as regards Kennedy, they found some audio technology that had never been uh, investigated before or run through a machine. It was a Dick DeBelt recording, sort of an early version of a reel-to-reel tape recorder that was used by the Dallas Police Department to record all of their radio traffic. And it was erased over time, but this one, for some reason, had been kept for years in a drawer. It was one of the microphones from one of the police motorcycles that was a part of the motorcade. And when it was enhanced and studied this group of acoustical experts said that they could pick out four shots Mm. that happened that day 
in Dealey Plaza. Now that has since been disputed. That was yes. 1979 technology. Yeah. yeah. And new technology has come along since digital stuff now, and that's been disputed. But when the House Special Committee on Assassinations finished its report, it said basically, we don't know who did it, but it sounds like there were four shots, so there must have been a conspiracy at the end. That's all they did, really. Well, that's not helpful. I know. Either. And not their technology was not, I mean, it was yeah. up to date at it the time. It was the best of the time. But now has been disproven. Now, yeah. And everybody gen- generally believes three shots. Well, not everybody. Oh, but I but mean, the, yeah. And yeah. I realize that there are people out there who believe it was the Russians who are already yelling at me. Like, yeah. oh, it was the Russians. Yeah, they I don't could think do it. Was, I don't think it was you the know, Soviet Everybody's Union. very passionate about yeah. What Whatever they believe, they believe about this. Topic. Speaking of, you asked me last week about the grassy knoll. So yep. uh, there are two or three other spots, depending on your conspiracy theory, if you have one about yep. the Kennedy assassination. One of the spots where another shot might have come from was the grassy knoll. That's the yes. the green hilly area that is adjacent to Dealey Plaza. There's a picket fence at the top that yes. allegedly someone hid behind and fired a shot that hit Kennedy in the head. There is a a building. On the same side of the street, but a block further away from Dealey Plaza, called the Daltex Building. It's an office building. There is some speculation that somebody fired a rifle from that building. Mm-hmm. And there is a storm drain on the street, on Elm Street, right in front of where the president was shot, mm-hmm. that I've read a, a book in the past week. It's a short book. This guy believes that there were nine shots fired at the president, and the one that hit him in the head was the one that came from the storm drain. Dear Lord, there's going to be 24 shots before we're finished. It just, I mean, it, Three to four you, can, nine. You, can, you can spend as much time on this mm-hmm. as you want. Mm-hmm. And every rabbit hole has a rabbit hole. But you've also got to use a little bit of Occam's razor here. I know. You, you got to remember that when you start getting into these big conspiracies. And, and what, if you buy into a particular conspiracy, then you've got to, to look at the whole thing and realize, what am I, what am I actually agreeing to believe at this point right. that all of these, you talked about this last week. Well, then you got to believe that all of these people were in on it. Yeah. Or then you got numbers. The numbers start to grow, but secret gets harder to keep. I, I believe that there are some where you could have a handful of people in on it yeah. and execute it perfectly. Well, one of the ones that seems plausible to me, let's just say that it was the, the Cuban revolutionaries and they were mad and they were mad. They're not American citizens. They don't, care that they're shooting the president. They're they're shooting a guy that they're mad at and they go back to Cuba or to Europe or wherever. Maybe there was a small conspiracy, but you get the guys who actually did it out of the country. Nobody knows who they are. They're faceless. They're nameless. They're gone. Yeah. Maybe. Mm, I mean, yeah. that one seems plausible. And what, Oswald's a patsy? Yeah. They just, they left him in the building. One of the big problems I have and I was going to do this later, but let's do it now. One let's of the biggest it. problems I have with Lee Harvey Oswald is that three minutes after the assassination, he's in the break room drinking a Coca-Cola. If I just shot the president, I'm not fucking around in the break room. I'm gone. I'm gone I as mean, far he, away as he, I can get. He was apprehended very quickly. I know, um, but how casually did that officer, Officer Baker, who came in off the motorcycle, within minutes of the assassination, he runs into the... Uh, Texas School Book Depository. Yeah. And he sees Lee Harvey Oswald on the second floor in the break room sipping on a Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Casually. Even if if Oswald wanted to be seen, he picked the worst place to do it. There's nobody in the building. Everybody's out on the street. Nobody's in the break room. Yeah, but I guess... Which also is weird. Like, why are you not out on the streets? That's another on? thing. Why are you not out on the streets? The president just drove by. 
Yeah, why are you sipping a Coca-Cola? Do yeah. you not know that he just got That's shot? That's suspicious as well. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, I think he panicked probably. And maybe. that was as normal as he could present himself. Maybe. But yeah, maybe so. He obviously had something. I mean, you know, he was... Because the, then he goes and kills a police officer right after that, this. That's the mm-hmm. thing. He he gets the the killing of the police officer mm-hmm. is what I, what I always go back to mm-hmm. with when we're talking about Oswald. Well, there's one story. The lady who owned the boarding house that Oswald was going back to to get his jacket and his thirty eight revolver that mm-hmm. he eventually used to shoot Officer Tippett. She said that a couple of minutes before Oswald walked into the door, that a police car stopped in front of her house, tooted the horn twice and left. The theory is that there was somebody driving a fake Dallas police car that was supposed to come and get Oswald from his boarding house and take him and get him out of town. Ah, and so they were- And Oswald thought- But he wasn't there on time? Maybe he wasn't there on time. Whatever happened, if it's true that the police car stopped and blew the horn twice and then left, hey, I guess Oswald's not there. We'll go pick him up somewhere else. And then- Two minutes later, five minutes later, Oswald walks outside and sees a police car that mm-hmm. he thinks is his ride. He leans over and talks to Officer Tippett, realizes Officer Tippett is not the guy he's looking for, and maybe Tippett does too, and that's why Tippett gets out of the car and starts to come around, and that's when Oswald shoots him and kills him. Yeah, maybe. Like plenty of speculation. Mm-hmm. There's There have and been whole books written of, about just Tippett's shooting. Yeah, and and there's a lot of stuff that you have to to put into that story, to plug in those holes. Yeah. It's like Swiss cheese. Yeah, I mean, exactly. To, yeah. And, and I read a very good description about the, uh, and I'm not going to get into the autopsy aspect of the Ooh, conspiracies. I do have you, some you, you can get into it okay. if you want, but I read this one thing that the conspiracy theorists, the ones who don't believe in the autopsy information or yeah. they think it's fake in some way, yeah. they still point to one piece of the autopsy information that they use to support their theory. So even if you poo-poo, Mm-hmm. some aspect of this case, you're still going to need some of it to make your crazy conspiracy work. Right. No matter who you are. Right. And if you have one, there are just pieces that don't fit. There's Swiss cheese in every slice of this story. Yes. Yes. Holes like Swiss cheese in every slice of this story. You're right. You're right. Um, Katie, to answer a question that you had last week, it was the last time ever that the Secret Service allowed a sitting president to ride in an open-air limousine. Yeah. I have some things about the Secret Service, some photos that I've seen in, yeah. in some documentaries and, and just different things. You know, you watch Parkland and you see the Secret Service carrying Johnson, you know, they got some over his head and his yeah. head's not, but but you see photos from that day, mm-hmm. him leaving the hospital. He's walking upright. There's no coat over his head. There's right. no Secret Service yeah, I've seen that. person giving yeah. him protection. Mm-hmm. They're not even walking right up beside him. Mm-hmm. They're just sort of there around him. And he's walking out to his car. And then you see the number of Secret Service around the coffin. Mm-hmm. And it would seem to me that there are more Secret Service. More worried about the dead president coffin than the live one. Than with Johnson. Yeah. I mean, if I'm the Secret Service, his head is not seeing the light of day. Yeah. We just had a president, part of his head blown off. Right. Literally. Yeah. You yeah. lost your man. Like, yeah. I think they say that That's in Parkland. Like, I lost I've my ne- man today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Are you really going to let this one walk around in the sunshine? Yeah. Well, and, they, they had and, to get him back to that airplane. And we're going to put more people yeah. within an hour of him being pronounced dead. We're going to put more people on that coffin. And make such a big deal out of getting him out of Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and not allow Dallas to do an autopsy. Right. And actually, which was illegal, physically yes. pick up the medical examiner by the armpits and sit him next to the wall, the wall and say, we're leaving. That's true. That's historically accurate. And that's how that happened. If, if you know what's good for you. Right. That's how it happened. And they leave. That is fishy to me. Yes. I don't understand that. They're either, what the hell are you doing with your job that you're not this one that's still alive is walking around in the sunshine mm-hmm. and you got more on the dead body. I mean, who's given these orders is, I mean, yeah. where, what, what kind what of is, clown show is this? Yeah. What is Johnson? Well, saying? Johnson is saying, I'm not leaving. The secret service is telling Johnson, get we've out. got to get you on the plane and get you in the air. We don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And Johnson says, I'm not leaving without Jackie to his credit. Mm-hmm. And Jackie says, I'm not leaving without my Cause, husband. Cause they're wanting him to leave. Mm-hmm. And, the and, hell with Jackie. She's not the first lady anymore. Right. Their, their job is They've to protect the president and the shifted. first lady. Boom. Yeah. This is our job now. And yeah. in, the mo- in Parkland, I got that. That's a very emotional scene, whatever. Yeah. But in reality, mm-hmm. there's plenty of resources to protect Jackie and protect Johnson. Sure. And if anybody and, had been thinking rationally. And the Kennedys are as rich as they come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, well, there's private planes available. Mm-hmm. There is... They're just so ready to get out of Dallas. That yeah. seems to be, mm-hmm. we'll get the president out, but you could have, there's no need for, I don't know. I, just, no, I'm with you. I, I don't understand. I don't agree in the way that it was done either. I think it could have been handled much better. I think everybody was in shock. Yeah. But you mm-hmm. need more level-headed people. And here's the deal. In you, charge you keep the yeah. secret service in it. And then I know this is, this is, you know, hindsight, of course. Yeah. I can sit here all day and, and pick holes it, it was unprecedented. They they did yeah. not. You know, this was something that um, there's no had page in the playbook for this. Right. We, we're we're on the fly here, and we're, we're trying up. to do the best we can. So I, I do understand that. Um, but they're still, you know, reminding everybody, this is our job. This is our job. Well, you know what? If you'd have done your job, mm-hmm. you'd be the one in the coffin. Right. Yeah. That's right. So mm-hmm. do we really need to? listen to you on what your job is at this point you need a better manual or you needed something but but we didn't have it that's all we had to go on and Mm -hmm. i do believe that there were secret service they're doing the best that they could but some of their actions don't make sense to me that doesn't make sense to me and then we'll talk about the autopsy stuff later yeah okay and we're going to talk about some more stuff about parkland hospital and what happened there right after this word from our sponsors As we head toward the 2023 holiday season, the Cherokee County Chamber of Commerce and Tourism wants to remind everyone who lives in the surrounding area to shop local. Shopping locally means having lunch at a restaurant in town or purchasing unique items in a local shop or boutique or simply filling up your gas tank at the station down the street before hitting the road for a holiday vacation. Small businesses play a major role in maintaining our way of life by supporting our schools and nonprofits and providing jobs in the community. In short, they are giving back. The Chamber encourages you to give back to them by shopping local this holiday season. For more information, visit Cherokee-Chamber.org. Are you in the market for a full-time Weiss Lake home or recreational lot? Let Trini Davis and Elizabeth Powell put their all-star property group at Keller Williams Realty to work for you. 
Trini and Elizabeth are locals themselves, so they know the Weiss Lake area, and with over 40 years of experience, they're professional listing and buying agents, talented home stagers and photographers, and specialized marketing team will work to make your lakefront dreams come true. Check out the Keller Williams team on Facebook at All Star Property Rome. You can also visit at All Star Property Rome to browse their images on Instagram or give them a call at 706-844-7493. That's the All Star Property Group with Keller Williams Realty at 706-844-7493. You can hit pause, call them now, and make your Weiss Lake dreams a reality. Are you a fan of true crime on Easy Street? Do you love us so much that you would like to be a sponsor? Well, here's how you can do it. Send us an email, truecrimeoneasystreet at gmail.com. We will send you a rate sheet. You can decide what you want your commercial to say, or we can customize it for you. That's how good we are, and that's the service we provide our lovely sponsors. So email us today at truecrimeoneasystreet at gmail.com for more information. And thank you to all of our wonderful sponsors. Well, Scott, I think I think we're all heated. We yeah, are let's heated. continue no, this conversation. I just, I just wanted to clarify. Look, I'm sorry I'm being hard on the on the folks that day, the Secret Service. They were doing the best that they can. I just don't it does not make sense to me to have more people on the body. And and maybe there weren't. Maybe that's just, you know, looking at the photos. Right. That's what it would seem. And that's what the Parkland doctors saw mm-hmm. and observed that day. You know, with all of the people in the trauma room one. Yeah, they're they're observing in the, the things and that Johnson's they're just observing. in a room over here. Yeah. yeah. So my question, I guess, would be if I could pose one to the Secret Service that day is, why are you allowing Johnson to walk around out? You know, from the hospital mm-hmm. out in the open, mm-hmm. and do you uh, are you having a moment of just incompetence, or do you not feel that there is still a threat? Yeah, because you know something is the implication. And I'm right. sure you can find a conspiracy theory oh, sure there is. that is anchored in that very Yeah, that, that, that you had a few Secret Service actually in on it. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. So uh, Parkland, the hospital, you guys watched the, doc, uh, watched the film. We yes. did. And you and I were talking, Kelly, about what the doctors saw, that Paramount Plus documentary. New docu- yes. So sh- the short so, version of that conspiracy is that the doctors who treated the president that day in trauma room one, after they saw the official autopsy photos weeks and months and years later, whenever they saw them, they said, that's not the way his head looked to me. Correct. There's, there's pretty consistent that amongst all they of the doctors who were there, it. they all say it. They all say that they're, that's not what we saw. And I once, when I was in college, I saw a guy named David Lifton who had written a book. He came and spoke to a big crowd of people in the early 90s when all this was popular again because of JFK and whatever. He is one of those people who believes that the key to unsolving the mystery of who killed John F. Kennedy is somewhere in the autopsy photos. He thinks that they were faked. He thinks that that proves that the military was in on it because it was at Bethesda Naval Hospital where the autopsy was conducted. Lifton even thinks that for a few minutes in the airplane after Kennedy's casket was loaded, his body was left unattended for long enough for somebody to open it up and fiddle with something inside. And I forget exactly what it was, an an injury or an entry wound or an exit wound or part of the president's brain, something. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So there's a whole there every every angle of this has multiple conspiracies. Yeah. Well, you have um, some folks who were there when the body arrived on the in Bethesda, mm-hmm. who say the body arrived in a shipping casket. That's a right, standard shipping casket, which is typically gray. Yeah, they see them all the time. Soldiers coming in overseas. He was in a shipping casket. Instead of the Instead of bronze the, casket that mm-hmm. was used at Parkland to take him from the hospital mm-hmm. to the to the airplane mm-hmm. and from the airplane to Bethesda for his autopsy. So like, Cause all that is is the, the press was there when the mm-hmm. when the nice Maybe, casket so the, the, comes off the plane. Yeah, perhaps that was just show is the mm-hmm. is the supposition. Yeah, because there Kennedy's body was really in that shipping casket being taken somewhere else. They're they're saying that the shipping casket arrived at around 6.35, and they're pulling that nice casket off of the plane around 6.50. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the right. parts of this conspiracy. And then the Parkland doctors are looking at the photos, and they're saying that and that part, and they're pointing to the right side, the back of his head mm-hmm. on the right side, was not there. When he was laying on the table right. in trauma room one, his, and there's no terrible, this is terrible and there's no good way to say it, but the right back of his head was blown off. Right. You could see pieces could see of his, it in the car. Yeah. And Jackie had a piece in her hand. Right. And his, there were pieces of his, of the president's brain in the car, mm-hmm. on Jackie's dress, on the police motorcycles, windshields behind yes. him. Yes, his brain was blown everywhere. Yeah. That's terrible. One, it, of the, one of the officers, in fact, one of those motorcycle officers said, when it happened, I, it hit me with such force mm-hmm. that I thought I had been struck by a bullet. Mm-hmm. It, it took him a minute to realize he was just covered in brain, right. brain now, matter. Now, when are we going to talk about the Zapruder film? Right now. Let's do it. <laughs> wait, let me see where it is on my list. Yeah, so. Wait, where is it on and my we, list? And if you need to back up, if we, I'm not going to, you know, because I, I know that it wasn't released until a certain time. When was that released? It was 1975, 76, before the American public saw the Zapruder film. Oh, wow. And that was on... Uh, a TV show and a late night news show that was hosted by a young Geraldo Rivera. Yes. Geraldo Rivera. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time the public had ever seen the film. Now life magazine had used still photos from the Zapruder film in an edition of life magazine that came out a week after the assassination. Right. Would you yes. see them buying the life magazine bought the Zapruder film for $150,000. Yes. And, uh, Little known fact, the Zapruder family gave $25,000 of that money to the family of Officer Tippett. Oh, that's very yeah. nice. Uh, eventually, the Zapruder film would be declared a, a national treasure. Mm. And the, Zapruder, the government would assume control of the Zapruder film. I think it was in 1997. It's wild that they didn't assume control of it Im- yeah. immediately. Well, they made plenty of copies and stored copies in the National Archives, but Zapruder still had the original. The government demanded it in 1997, but they gave the Zapruder family $16 million in compensation for taking away their film. So they're probably okay with that. Yeah. Everybody had seen it by and then. And just anyway. to remind everybody, this this film was taken by a local, he was a dressmaker. That's right. He was 58 years old, Abraham Zapruder. Yes. Second generation American. Uh, his parents had fled 
the Nazis in Mm -hmm. Europe during World War II. And he's there taking film on his new camera. That's right. And he's very excited to have the president here. He catches the whole thing on film. The whole thing. Have you seen the the film? Yes. Scott? Yeah, yeah. The it's 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 eighteen seconds long. Mm-hmm. And the one of the things about the film is that the Warren Commission and the House Select Committee on Assassinations both used the Zapruder film, but it's a clock. The Zapruder film runs at 18.3 frames per second. And so there's no sound on the film, but these investigative committees use the Warren, I'm sorry, use the Zapruder film to try and determine as best they could when the shots were fired. Mm -hmm. And that's another area of speculation because was Johnson hit by the same bullet that hit Kennedy and went through his neck and then hit Johnson in the back? No. Because you can you can only cycle that Italian rifle, that Manlick or Carcano rifle that Oswald used. It takes 2.3 seconds to fire it, work the bolt action, eject mm-hmm. one cartridge, and have the other cartridge automatically fed as you're closing the bolt, and fire again. And that's if you're not even aiming. It's mm-hmm. 2.3 seconds. So some speculation that the Zapruder film proves that it could not have been Oswald alone because the shots occur within too narrow of a time frame the, of each other. The second and the third shots are closer together. Too close together. Than the first and the second shot. Correct. Yeah. And in my opinion, that film shows that you had a shooter from the front as well. It sure looks like it. Because you actually see, and again, I, I apologize for this. Yeah, this we've all seen it by now. Um, the second bullet comes down the side of his head you know, yeah. from the front is the way I have mm. viewed this. Mm. And the back of his head blows off. How you actually else? see it go skin down the side of his head and out the back. Mm-hmm. And he flies back. Mm-hmm. He's already been hit by the first one where his hands are up near his his throat. Right. And that particular wound is what the Parkland doctors have all said was an entrance wound. It looked like it to them, yeah, because it was so small. If you have an entrance wound in the throat, in the front of the throat, mm-hmm. and then the way that that second bullet hits, <laughs> it sure looked like that at least two bullets came from the front it did. on that film. It, it's certainly not hard to argue that that is what well, it looks like. And on the that's film. what people are saying from that grassy knoll mm-hmm. behind the picket fence. Right. And you had... Or the storm drain. Yeah. Different individuals saying... I saw someone behind the picket fence. I saw the smoke from the gun. Mm-hmm. I saw a man shooting from the picket fence. Right. Now, Scott, you love to play devil's advocate. Yes. Yes. So I do, don't I? Yeah. So explain to me this, because I don't understand how it's even arguable that there wasn't a shot from the front when the back of the man's head's blown off. Exactly. How do you, how do you explain that away? Well... It, it has been explained away. Yeah, and the reason that it has been explained, or the way it's been explained is, uh, if, if it would depend on what kind of bullet it was. If it was a okay. bullet that was made to fragment, it would explode as soon as it hit mm-hmm. brain matter and uh, so it would the explode skull. On the entrance. So it would explode, and that would account for the way that the president's head seems to go in the direction that the bullet came from, because the explosion just kind of, the way that, that exploded out of his head, the, yeah. the, 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 the area of his skull that gave way. It was the back right. 
Well, it, but when you look at the Zapruder film, oh, but and the it's, side too. it's the top of his head. It's on the side, the top that and then flaps the back. away. Yeah, yeah. So you just have to speculate about how that bullet acted when it got in there and which mm-hmm. way it ejected it, most of its energy. I gotcha. And there's an argument to be made and that it made the, his head move that in that strange way. And then you see the autopsy photos. Mm-hmm. And that flap is not there. It's like in place. It's and like they're holding it in it's place. It's like they're holding it in place. And I, I I, think that I understand that one. I think that what they were trying to do, I think they were holding that flap into place. Because you, you see the hand yeah. actually holding and it. And it wasn't to try to hide anything. It mm-hmm. was to show there was there was an entrance wound, in the according back. to the autopsy photos, that would account for that bullet. In the back. Oswald's third bullet. Gotcha. That's what they were trying to show in that particular mm-hmm. autopsy photograph. Sure. Sure. At least that's the argument of people who think that that proves that the shot came from the back. And I'm not really sold either way on what happened. I think you just got to take a good thorough look at all of it. Yeah. And you got to entertain all of it. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't just think one way. Well, there's a, there's an author named Gerald Posner who wrote a book in the early nineties called case closed. And he basically, uh, basically makes the argument that despite all of the, mistakes that the Warren Commission made, mm-hmm. they arrived at the proper conclusion. So he agreed. Yeah. But, I'm sure in the book he details why but, he agrees with all that. You know, the conspiracy buffs think that he's being paid by the CIA to write this book and there's all sorts of, it doesn't, it, you, mm-hmm. if you stick your head up on this one, somebody's going to take a shot at you. Well, no, no pun intended. Exactly. And they're always just moving the goalposts. Well, yeah. it's this, well, it's that, right. depending on which conspiracy you buy Yeah. Into. And like I said, if, even if you dispute 99% of any aspect of this conspiracy, you're still going to have to rely on one of the things that you don't believe probably in order to make your convoluted story make sense. You're right. Yeah. It's just, it's impossible to put together the most cohesive thing, except maybe it was the Warren report and they were right all along. So there's also, in my opinion, there's not enough evidence there Mm -hmm. to just say it was just one shooter. There's so many other things that, that we don't have a good explanation Yeah, but there's for. no hard evidence to prove that there was more than one shooter. You're Exactly. I was actually about to Sorry. turn around and... No, Sorry. you're right. No, yeah. no. I'm glad you said that because I, I was actually about to then turn around and yeah. say, you can also flip that coin and, and say it this way. Mm-hmm. It just deserves a deeper look. I don't know that we can do that. I think we're just stuck yeah. not knowing. You guys know Kevin Green's favorite theory about the no, Kennedy assassination. I do not. So, in the car behind the president's limousine, we mentioned this last week, is a car full of Secret Service agents. Yep. Mm-hmm. One of them is named George Hickey. Mm-hmm. And it's George Hickey's job, when he hears a bullet mm-hmm. being fired at the president, to grab the semi-automatic rifle in the floorboard of that car, where it's always kept, mm-hmm. and be prepared to return fire. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the theory goes, and there's a book about this, the theory is that just as Agent Hickey grabbed that rifle and cocked it and got ready to fire, the car lurched, hit the brakes, jerked Um, to the side, and Hickey accidentally shot the president in the back of the head with his own rifle. And that's why the whole thing's been covered up for the last 60 years. There's a whole book about that, about Agent Hickey. That is a pretty simple explanation. Agent Hickey... uh, he sued the man who wrote that book and there was an out-of-court settlement. I don't know how much it was, I Ooh, guess. Wow. But, I bet he did. Yeah. Um, and, and, but it also sort of explains uh, some of the other behaviors of the day by Secret Service. Maybe. It would. Maybe. And don't think that it's not used by the people who believe yeah, that theory. All the things you pointed out, the weird Secret Service actions of that day yeah. to try and cover their ass because one of their guys just shot the president. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about 
if I believe that exactly, but I definitely think somebody somewhere dropped a ball. Oh, whether that, yeah, like whether it was a, a an FBI agent, a CIA agent that mm-hmm. knew something was going on. And I also don't know if I fully believe that the general masses need to know that mm-hmm. that we're owed that explanation mm-hmm. because then that puts all everyone's faith in these agencies that mm-hmm. you know at risk and hopefully if there was a ball dropped they have put in place measures to where that doesn't happen again Hope, hopefully it's a live and learn type yeah, scenario the, well, just, we, we tied it in too neat of a bow with the mm-hmm. Warren report and they needed to do that I guess yeah but it doesn't it doesn't add up that was the consensus of the country at the time that the best way to move forward pin it on Oswald mm-hmm. let's don't start a nuclear war with the Soviet Union mm-hmm. let's don't uh, make the FBI and the CIA look bad mm-hmm. because we still trusted them back then. You know, and it came out years later, the CIA's been involved in assassinations all over the world. The FBI. What do we think mm-hmm. they do? Well, I think before then that that wasn't really understood. We all understand today that that's what they did. Yeah. But in the 60s, that wasn't a thing yet. Uh, it's just given that. The CIA, CIA was but... supposed to just spy on the Soviets and report back. Yes. That's what people thought the CIA did. Yes. Oh. Until all of this happened. And, and very naive. <laughs> Yeah, it mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. It does. And a lot of this came out when that House Committee on Assassinations uh, convened from 76 to 79. A lot of the misdeeds of the CIA through the years got brought out into the light. Mm-hmm. And we all know now that, you know, Hoover was spying on anybody that he conceived to be a threat, anybody bugging their and house, and had secret files on everybody. The FBI's, uh, they've got shit on their shoes too. Well, they've also got in the years since this happened of, uh, recordings of Johnson saying he did not believe Oswald acted alone. That's right. He's yeah, on in his Oval Office. Yeah, he's he's talking on the phone to his mentor, Senator Russell from Georgia, who was another member of the Warren Commission. Mm-hmm. And after this was all over, that was when that conversation took place. The Warren Commission report had come out, and Russell is telling Johnson, "I just I couldn't sign it because I don't believe." in the magic bullet theory, which we didn't even mention, but that's the one bullet that if you believe Arlen Specter in the Warren commission, it went into the Kennedy's back, came out of his neck, still pristine. And that was an exit wound instead of an entry wound that the mm-hmm. doctors at Parkland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was that's an entry, what I can't buy either. And went into Johnson's back, broke a rib, came out of his chest, went into his wrist and broke a, a rib, uh, a bone in his wrist and then lodged in his thigh. One bullet. His thigh, no. the other thigh, the opposite right. thigh yeah, it from bounced, the wrist. It ricocheted out of his thigh and went and into I the opposite. And I think we need to spend a little more time on this magic bullet because to okay. me, this is what makes the Warren report completely null and void because this is ludicrous. It's yeah. not only ludicrous. But you can find uh, ballistics experts that, that will say that could happen. Well, it's kind of like in the legal field, every answer is it depends. I yeah. guess when you're it, yeah. talking to any kind of expert, they can say, well, yeah. it's a pos- I can't say for certain. That's kind of Nobody it. wants to step out and say for certain. Because you can't, because you don't know, because we haven't ran I've, I like have a million a, tests. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I've talked to some folks about this this magic bu- bullet theory and, and, you know, from law enforcement, they don't agree with it, mm-hmm. um, that a bullet would do all of that. Yeah. And um, so if you buy the Warren Commission, then you buy that there is one bullet that did all of the things that Scott just said. Right. And, and it, it has to make several zigzags. Not if you believe. That process. It, well, that's, that's a matter of conjecture as well, because you could argue that uh, it, in order for it to make those zigzags, mm-hmm. Kennedy and Johnson would 
um, and Connolly would both be facing directly forward, upright, mm-hmm. unmoving. Yeah, but we know that we know that Connolly was in the process of spinning around from one side of his body because he'd heard that first shot, and he turns around. And Connolly turned to look over his right shoulder, and he couldn't see the president, mm-hmm. so he was in the process of turning around to his left. Mm-hmm. And then the second bullet, mm-hmm. which the Warren Commission says didn't hit anything, because they said the first bullet hit Kennedy and hit John, uh, Connolly, and Connolly didn't realize it yet. But Connolly himself... Connolly disputes that. He said, I know what I heard. Okay. The first bullet didn't hit me, and that was something you brought up last week that's on my list. What did Connolly say? Yeah, he Connolly, said, basically, the Warren Commission is wrong. He did. He said that the first bullet did not... He's not sure if it was the second or the third bullet that hit him, mm-hmm. but he says the first did not, and the Zapruder film supports that. Yeah, you it does. see him... Because he's still turning in his yeah. seat, and Kennedy's already got his hands up at his yeah. throat. yeah. If the man says, I wasn't shot yet, maybe we should believe the man who was shot. Yeah, I because do. he said that he felt he he felt like somebody punched him in the back. And there's no when sense. When that bullet hit him. Let's mm-hmm. use a modern term. There's no sense in gaslighting the man into thinking, oh, well, you didn't know you were panicked. <laughs> yeah. You were this. Right. No, I was not shot at this point. Mm-hmm. At this point, I was shot. Yeah. Uh, have you? I would say, have you ever been shot? Mm-hmm. I think it's something that sometimes you know mm-hmm. when it's happened. I would think. I'm thinking that Kennedy may have known that first bullet, mm-hmm. but yeah, the second one, he would have. If that had hit him first, he. I don't think he would have known. I think he was dead right then. Oh yeah, he was. I think you see. Yeah. He, the had, man, he had a heartbeat, but he was brain dead. It was that moment gone. Yeah, it was gone. Mm-hmm. And you see him on the table. There, you see his eyes. You see, you know. Yeah, he's there's no there's nothing there. He's deceased, and that's you, in Parkland. You the movie you have the main doctor, and I can't remember what his last name was. But the one the one who had to pronounce him dead, Clark. and he's looking. He's he's yelling at at Jim. He's not yelling, but he's like Jim, Jim. You got nothing to work with, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he doesn't he doesn't have. He's part still of his doing brain, you know? chest compressions, and mm-hmm. he's like Jim. You got nothing to work with, that's right? And so probably he accurate. Pronounces him dead. Everything that I know about. That day, yeah, it was somebody who knew a lot more than I did and wanted it to be historically accurate as as possible. Yeah, made Parkland and put it together and did a really good job. I think they did too, and they really wanted. Don't to... watch JFK if you want factual information <laughs> yeah. about that day, but watch yeah. Parkland. They wanted. Um, they wanted. Well, they they were going to pronounce him at twelve fifty, but mm-hmm. they were waiting on. And in the in the movie Parkland, there's one priest, but I think. There were yeah, two that right. actually came in. Did you guys recognize who played the priest? In, I did. Yeah. Uh, Haley, wait, what's his name? I'm going to forget. I, I get it wrong. I don't know, time. but he was in Bad News Bears. Yeah. Uh, darn it. Not and he was in The Watchmen. Um, and he was also the new Freddy Krueger. Mm. Yeah, There's a it? lot of people in the movie in Parkland that you've seen on various HBO shows or... or mm-hmm. um, yes, and it was like, I, rec- I recognize Disney that even. Yeah, <laughs> well, Disney folks. For Zac Efron to just you know casually be that doctor was mm-hmm. yeah, and, and like I said, I was, was surprised Jim. that he did so well. Yeah, he did it. I, I thought everybody did a great job. He had uh, uh, Colin Hanks was in it. He's one of the doctors, mm-hmm. and the the main nurse. She's in a lot of stuff. Yes, I've um, lost her name. Uh, Marsha Gay Harden. Thank you. Yes, Jackie yes. Earl Haley. Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, from the Bad News Bears is the is the actor who played. The priest. The Catholic priest in Parkland. And what they, apparently one of the priests tells Jackie that he has granted him conditional absolution. Yeah. That means, I don't, mean, I, don't, I, don't know what, I looked that up. Okay. Uh, conditional last rites mean that 
you're not sure if the body you just administered last rites to was still alive or not. You are mm-hmm. you are giving those last rites on the conditional understanding that he may already have been deceased when you. That's the way I understand it. I'm not Catholic, but I but looked. That it up. is very important to. Yeah, that was very important to Jackie, and they they said she did kind of make a grimace yeah, she, about that because she they, they're Catholic, and she wanted yeah. that that for those last rites so, for him in order for him to pass pass on to yeah. heaven. And so, if you don't get your last rites in Catholicism, uh, I think the standard belief is there's a, a time of purgatory and w- in which your loved ones will then pray for you and and and, and, can, and look, I'm not Catholic, mm-hmm. but I I'm very basic in that knowledge. Okay. And I, I believe that is, and that may not be even all of the, right, the Catholics. Right, right. Yeah. Now. So, someone who's Catholic will have to clear that yeah, up. But I believe that's what that a that practicing is. Catholic out there. Oh, uh, speaking of out there, did we look and see if anybody who is a listener did their homework? Since you guys did not, because we told people if they got a story about the JFK thing that they got at Thanksgiving with their family to drop us an email. Katie just grabbed her phone. She's looking She's right checking now. for us. While she know. does that, mm-hmm. I will tell you about something that I teased last week, which was one of my favorite aspects of this entire story. The trial of Jack Ruby. Jack Ruby is the man who shot and killed Lee Harvey Oswald two days after the assassination. He did that in the oh, yes. I was wanting to hear basement this. parking lot mm-hmm. of the Dallas police department. Yes. And Jack Ruby did survive long enough to go to trial. He was interviewed by the Warren Commission before they submitted their final report. Mm-hmm. When Jack Ruby went to trial in 1964, I'm sorry, early 1965, I think it was. Maybe it was 64. I think it was. Mm-hmm. I should have written that down. Anyway, uh, our good friend Melvin Belli from the Patty Hearst story came in from San Francisco. Maybe that's why I had San Fran on my mind. Maybe. Uh, he came in from San Francisco to defend Jack Ruby, and the trial, by all indications, was a complete showboating circus. The judge, his name was Joe Brown, had never even graduated from high school. Now, he did go... What? Uh, yeah, he had never graduated from high school. There was some sort of uh, side-of-the-road beer joint law school that he got a degree from and passed the bar. And he was a justice of the peace for a few years. And then he was appointed like, a, I guess, a circuit judge or a city judge in Dallas. Or uh, is that Clark County? Or is that Illinois? What? Anyway. He didn't yeah. have a, like a, okay, no high school degree. Right. College degree? Nope. He, but he passed. That was back when you could just pass the, uh, take the bar exam. And if you passed it, you were a lawyer. That's what. Abraham Lincoln did that. Well, he oh, read law, he, he read law books. Abraham Lincoln was born in the 1800s. Well, I know that, but I'm just saying that was one thing that hadn't changed yet, maybe. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, wow. he, he didn't. That's, okay. So, so Judge Brown, number one, did not want to listen to Melvin Belli talk about any sort of change of venue because this case is going to make him famous and he wants well, TV he cameras probably, in the courtroom for the whole trial, which he did not He get. probably didn't know what change of venue meant. He probably didn't. <laughs> and that was one of, I think there were... 134 grounds for uh, appeal after this case was over. Uh-huh. The case was ultimately appealed sure. and was thrown out, the conviction and the death sentence thrown out because no change of venue. And that was one had, of them. It, that was the big one. Because he had proper grounds and he wasn't granted. That's right. Mm. The, and it's wow. up to the judge in Texas. If you think you're, if you think the defendant can't get a fair trial, mm-hmm. then you've got to grant a change of venue. Yeah. But Judge Brown 
and the district attorney, I think his last name was Hale, they both knew that they were going to be able to hang their stars on this case for the rest of their careers. Oh, yeah. So they wanted it in their courtroom. They wanted it done their way. And this, these are the things that Belli railed about. They finally got a TV camera into the courtroom for the reading of the verdict. Mm. It took them two hours to reach a verdict after about uh, two weeks of trial. The, okay. the most time-consuming thing was trying to seat a jury. Yeah. One of those jurors had a nephew on the police department. Bell, mm-hmm. I couldn't get her off the, the jury. And another one had told a coworker that he couldn't wait to convict Jack Ruby. Oh, wow. And Bell, I knew that and told it and it didn't matter. Oh. So mm-hmm. we get to the end of the trial. The camera is on. What's supposed to happen is the jury's going to read the verdict and then the camera's supposed to cut off. But the cameraman could not resist the temptation to keep the camera rolling after the verdict was read. And so the nation stood, uh, saw Melvin Belli stand up and start yelling at the jury that they this was a kangaroo court and you guys should be ashamed of yourselves. And then Belli turned into the camera and there's a reporter right there sticking a mic in his face. And he just goes on and on about what a travesty of justice this has been. And he can't believe the people of Dallas, of all the shame that they've already brought onto the world, they brought even more. By, wow. by convicting okay. him and railroading him, and this is going to be overturned on appeal. You watch and see. Mm-hmm. It was a spectacle. Yeah. And ultimately, of course, Belli was right. Belli was not involved in the appeal directly. He mm-hmm. went on to some other case. Mm-hmm. But yeah, pellet work is. You can go on YouTube and see Belli going off on Judge Brown and the people of Texas and Dallas in particular after that verdict was read. It's. It was, it was oh my gosh. of all the spectacle that had already happened with mm-hmm. the shooting of Oswald in the jail and mm-hmm. the Zapruder film and just one more yeah. brick in the wall, yeah, as I say. Lo- lost it at that point. Yeah. I also wanted to bring up that the um, Parkland movie was based on a book written by the same author who wrote Helter Skelter. Vincent Bugliosi. Yes. Okay, so I didn't realize Billy Osi wrote that some book. More, yeah, wow. to tie in some more folks that we've discussed in the past. Well, but he wrote the book, and I don't remember the exact title, but that's what they took okay. and made the movie Parkland. So that would probably be an incredible book to read. Yeah. Uh, Billy Osi was part of a mock trial that took place in 1986, and he was the prosecutor. Of it, this was it was called the trial of Lee Harvey Oswald. You can go on YouTube and watch it. Is it's he five an, hours long. Is he an attorney? He was the attorney. He was the district attorney for California that convicted Manson back in seventy. Remember? Yes, yes, yes. So I think he's gone on to private practice at this point in his career. But they reach out to him and say, "Look, we want to do this. We want to make it as real as possible." Mm-hmm. So he dedicated months in his research. The guy who was the defense attorney for Lee Harvey Oswald. His name was Jerry Spence, one of the most famous defense attorneys in the country at the time. Yeah, I've heard of him. Uh, kind of a corn pone, out from Wyoming, wore uh, he- leather tassel jackets and and spoke mm-hmm. like the, 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 the chicken that is the attorney on uh, Futurama. <laughs> I'm just a simple chicken. Uh, you know, kind of that foghorn leghorn. Yeah. yeah, like the Western, ver- the Wyoming yeah. version of that. Gotcha. But anyway, so Bugliosi, he did all of the research for this mock trial, ended up writing that 1,600-page book called Reclaiming History, which is about the JFK mm-hmm. assassination. And he thinks it was Oswald and no one else. Mm-hmm. And he's very meticulous in the way that he goes through all of these bullet points and tries to prove it. 1,600 pages, like I said. But I'm sure that he got enough information from doing that research 
to also write the book about Parkland. That's where I was going with that whole. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. His, um, let's see here. I mean, I'm trying to look at the, at the names of his books. There's four okay. days, four days in November that he is. All right. So that's, that's, Ken, book, that's the uh, Kennedy assassination. I reclaiming assume. history. That's it. Uh, he, he's got another book called till death do us part. Uh, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. I need to read. See, will tell. I read Helter Skelter, but I, um, I told you guys I did not read. Reclaiming he also history. he wrote uh, Outrage: The Five Reasons Why OJ Simpson Got Away with Murder. Ah, yeah, that's right. I knew there was something about OJ in his um, bookshelf. Reclaiming Parkland. Was that it? One, yeah. And he just there's one called Parkland. Okay. Well, I kind of want to read that now. Well, I guess we kind of know what happened. They did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. And, and has, there, there's all the information you need to know that it was accurate because if Bugliosi wrote the book, yeah. he was he was he wanted that to be as accurate as possible. That was his whole mm-hmm. purview when he started to write uh, mm-hmm. to get ready for this this mock TV trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That happened in I think 86 is when that happened. Okay. So, um what else? What's next? So, uh, we mentioned the casket that was used mm-hmm. to transport JFK's body from Parkland. Mhm. To Washington. You guys know where that casket is today? Where? It is 9,000 feet deep in the Atlantic Ocean. Why? Because the Kennedy family was worried that the casket would become a keepsake for morbid curiosity seekers. Oh. And so the casket was damaged in the transport from Parkland to D.C. Mm -hmm. We saw that in the film Parkland. Mm -hmm. And they ended up choosing a mahogany casket for JFK to be buried in. It was 500-year-old hand-polished mahogany something. It was very sure. nice, very sure elaborate. Fancy. So this other casket stayed in uh, the National Archives in storage. And at some point, I'm guessing about the same time as the next thing I'm going to tell you, the Kennedy family said, we need to get rid of that. So they took it to Dover Air Force Base in Delaware. They put five 80-pound bags of sand inside it. Mm. They drilled 42 holes in it. Okay. Attached it to a parachute, flew it four hours out into the Atlantic Ocean, and pushed it out the back of the airplane. The plane circled for 20 minutes to make sure that it sank. Mm. So that's where it is. Okay. All right. I'm guessing that happened when it did in 1966 because it's just about that time that President Kennedy's gravesite at Arlington National Cemetery gets a redesign Mm -hmm. because in the first three years that it's been there and Katie, I'm doing it again. I'm reaching into my pocket (laughs) for a photo. Mm -hmm. This is a photo that my mother took at John F. Kennedy's gravesite in May of 1964. Oh yeah. So just a few months after he was buried. Look at that. In the first three years that the site was there, 16 million people passed by his gravesite. So they realized that they needed something more permanent than just a plot mm-hmm. on the hill. Mm-hmm. And that's what it looks and like. And that's it's, what it, it's a plot. There's that's the, the from flame. 1964. Yeah. The eternal the flame was already there. Was flame was there. And then there's several wreaths around. You can see, yeah. um, there's also there's this picket fence. There's a picket fence around it. it. And that was a 20 by 30 foot square with a picket fence around it. And that, mm-hmm. that stood until the new, Gravesite opened in January of 1967. It's a three-acre plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a man who was a friend of John F. Kennedy's, who was an architect, designed it. 
and they used these ledger stones with grass growing up in the cracks between them like some people do in their landscaping. That's what the plot is covered in. There is a five-foot millstone at the head of the grave that was found in a field in Massachusetts, buried in a field that used to be at a grind mill. An intact five-foot millstone, and that is what is used as the base for the eternal flame today. Have you have you seen it? Have you guys? Seen I'm it? only on TV I've or only to, in, on Google. I've been to Arlington, but I cannot remember if we went like because we walked around and then we did the whole right. uh, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, oh, yeah. the the change in the guard. There's a low wall at, at it's on the it's on a hillside, so they had to mm-hmm. dig into the wall in a couple of places and create kind of a step area. And one of the walls is covered with concrete that is uh, carved in the concrete are famous quotes from various John F. Kennedy speeches. And it was Jackie who was adamant about the eternal flame. Yeah. She had seen that at the Arc de Triomphe in Paris when they visited there in 61. And she wanted an eternal flame uh, flame on Kennedy's gravesite. It's a really beautiful Mm -hmm. area of Arlington. You've seen it? I have. I spent a whole day at Arlington. Wow. You can spend a whole day there. A whole day. Sure. Um, and I, I went actually, when I got to Arlington, I, I probably should have planned better, but I, that's where I went first. Yeah. I think there's probably a better way to, t- to do the whole thing than, than what I did. I just sort of jumped around. Oh, I want to go here. I want to go here. Yeah. But I started there. Okay. It's, it's very, it was kind of just very peaceful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the flame was there. Mm-hmm. It was, go, you know, because it's always there. It's the eternal yeah. flame. Yeah. Um, beautiful place. And then. You know, moved on to the other, like you were talking about, mm-hmm. the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier or whatever. But if you get a chance to go to D.C., you need to, to spend a day at Arlington. And it just sort of public service announcement here. Uh, a lot of the things that you can see and do there in D.C. don't cost anything. Yeah, they're free. So Your you know, tax dollars already paid for them. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So... Take that trip, yeah, with the family and 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 see and do mm-hmm. all of those things. Go see the World War Two, or all of the memorials, mm-hmm. uh, the Vietnam Wall. Yeah, there's something you know. There's the, the there's a Korean. I, I love seeing the Korean War mm-hmm. memorial. It's That's very great. different. They're all unique in their They're own way. They're all unique. It's yeah. great. Um, go go take that trip and go do that yeah. and go see the Eternal Flame. Yeah. Go do it. And I mentioned the uh, casket story because. Uh, it was it, it was 1966, right, when the casket was taken and dumped in the Atlantic Ocean, when the gravesite was redesigned at Arlington, mm-hmm. and there was some speculation. John F. Kennedy's brain is missing. It was it was jarred up in formaldehyde and sent to the National Archives with everything else. It was related to the JFK assassination at some point, but the story goes that when the gravesite got redesigned, when they were moving things around in '65 and '66, Bobby Kennedy went to the National Archives, got the president's brain, and had it entombed with the rest of his remains as well, which is why nobody knows where as it should Kennedy's be. brain is. Well, hopefully... It was, I hope it was, that's what happened. Well, it was kept because hopefully in future years, technology would come along that would allow maybe the brain to give away some clues as to the trajectory of the bullets, that kind of thing. Yeah. But at some point, the Kennedys said, no, we're just, we're going to... As, as much of him in one place as possible. Yeah, come on now. That's, I mean, I hope that's, mm-hmm. that's what happened. Yeah. And uh, Jackie passed away in May of 1994 and was buried beside her husband at Arlington. And she was at the time Onassis. That's was correct. That her last name yeah. at the time? Right. So Jacqueline you can, Kennedy Onassis. Is that just a thing because she's the first lady? I guess so. Because that's not normal, right? I wouldn't mm-hmm. think so, but 
I mean, for spouses to be buried at Arlington? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't. Well, there, I don't there's a lot of there were buried. some uh, rules and regulations that had to be ignored in order for that for Kennedy to be buried the way he was. the The Army mm-hmm. Corps of Engineers, which takes care of Arlington, has a rule against eternal flames, mm-hmm. but somehow, you know. Well, there was a lot of rules. Ignored. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. There, That's and true. And I think there was a lot of just guilt. I mean, you yeah. know, collective guilt nationwide. That that we've allowed this to happen mm-hmm. to this man. Yeah, we've got this stupid rule about an eternal flame. And the yeah, president's no, dead. Screw that. Not, no. Give him the flame. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. That was the attitude. I think. Mm-hmm. In a lot. Why would there? Yeah, is there? A I don't know. Okay. Just a safety issue. Well, or, I think so. I mean, it's you, fire. Well, you got to do one, then you got to have ten, then you got to have a hundred, and then it's a lot. Everybody of work. wants one. Yeah. It's a lot of... Uh, yeah, I think this is a special situation. Yeah, yeah. totally agree. Yeah, I think he deserves the, the eternal flame. So that's my story, guys. So, mm. All right, well, I don't know what conspiracy you believe in or if you believe in what any... What do you buy, Scott? What's I your thing? think it was Oswald. Yeah, that's all you think? I, yeah. You're I not think even so. willing to entertain. I mean, I'm not going to say no. I don't know what happened. Okay. But I think that uh, I think that Gerald Posner's book, Case Closed, is, is probably the best one that I've read that argues for... A lone gunman, and that's probably only because I haven't read Buliosi's sixteen hundred pages mm-hmm. reclaiming history. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it just I, I can see how that happened. But I've I've got some problems, like I said, with Oswald being in the break room. Yeah, two minutes after it happened, not running for his life, not hiding. Yeah, he's uh, very why, easily. Why shoot Officer Tippett? I mean, nobody knew who you were yet. Right. I. A lot of discrepancies, like you said, you can pick it apart all day long. At the end of the day, I don't think it was CIA or FBI criminality. I think it was incompetence they were trying yep. to cover because okay. they knew about Oswald. Mm-hmm. They didn't want everybody to know I that they knew that. about him. Yeah. And so they covered it up. They and definitely I, knew about him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Katie, what do you think? What I, do you know? I think that we don't know, but no, I can't buy a one shooter. I can't buy one shooter either. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's but, all I know but for we'll sure. never know for sure. No. And we, I don't, you know, at this point, do we, do we need to? I do acknowledge that some of these conspiracy theories are really out there and wild and yeah. I'm not, I'm not, just by nature, not typically a conspiracy theorist. Oh, I can I be can, a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. Oh, can you? I'm, yeah. not, I'm typically yeah. not either. I'm suspicious I of everything. I and I think that's a great way to be. Mm-hmm. I think that we'll never know, but I can't buy one shooter. And I cannot ignore what those Parkland doctors say. I cannot ignore yes. the yeah. fact that they're saying, this is not what I saw. I know. But it seems, at the same time, it seems like what they're all describing to a person that's what they saw looks a little bit different than what you see on the Zapruder film. It looks more like it's the top of the president's head that moves. No, no, they, they the go back. into all that. They talk about the, the okay. flap and the, and no, they. Okay. Hmm. The Zapruder film, in my opinion, supports what they are okay. saying. All right. See, I guess it's just a, depends on which way, like everything it else, yeah, it's which, which way, way you look at it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. There's no and wrong And we can way. all sit here and think, you know, two or three different things and, yeah. and get along just fine. So, yeah. yeah. You know, well, I'm rolling my eyes at you when you're not looking, but okay, only whatever. when you're not looking. All right. So have your uh, JFK uh, conspiracy party yeah, and everybody get along and, and, and tell <laughs> what you think and have a few drinks and don't drive and send us know, some emails. Let us know what it. you think after you've listened to this two part series. I think you've done a fantastic job, Scott. And I do have some shout outs from iTunes. Oh, let's hear it. So let's 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 do this. First of all, I want to say thank you to Kendra Reed for listening. The she's she's entitled this new forever fan. I love the podcast and how they find the Alabama connection. I love how you interact with each other. Keep delivering great podcast material and keep listening 
And being great yourself, Kendra. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you you very much. Kind words. All right. Uh, Here's another one. Great show. My wife, Randy West, has gotten me hooked on the show. Love the local stuff from the old shows, but the new shows are great too. Very well researched. And I love the non-typical angle that y'all use to share unknown parts of otherwise known stories from Wayne West. Thank you, Wayne. Love that. And then we have another one. This one's just titled podcast. Wow. So let's see. I love it. Okay. Just say good. Thanks. Bye. No, no. It's okay. long. I enjoy your podcast. I've been binging for weeks now. What's funny is I am kin by marriage to Marie Hilly and Nanny Doss. Ooh. Some of your first shows. I do have a suggestion for a show uh, and gives a suggestion. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil it because we may do that. Um, and, uh, then anyways, goes on to say, I'm going to take a trip to center and meet y'all. Keep up the good work. I follow you guys on Facebook too. And the listing is uh, Love's Tide, L-O-V-E-S-T-I-D-E. Well, I'm going to guess that's an Alabama fan. Yeah, I think and so. They're probably excited <laughs> after yesterday. Yeah. And so uh, thank well, you so much for listening. Yeah. We appreciate that. And wow. Yeah, you kind of dropped the ball not leaving us your real name, but that's okay. And I just, I don't know if I should say sorry or about your kinfolk or what. I don't know. Hey, if you're kin to those folks, consider yourself lucky yeah. that you're still alive. Yep. So there yeah, you go. Don't go there for Thanksgiving. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Love all of the folks who give us those kind words. Yeah, and that's and, all the proof that you need that if you go out and do the same thing, you say something nice about us, leave us your name on Apple iTunes or wherever. Give us five stars Yeah, and, we'll, and we'll, write a review and then we can read We'll that shout and, you out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thank you for the suggestions that we have. I didn't. I didn't read that. I want before, to. Right? I want to give it away, but you're not going to let me, are nope. you? Nope. No. Nope. We fine. also got a suggestion through email, so okay. they've been coming oh, in. Thank all right. you well, so we much. Well, we will get to work on the next episode. Uh, is that it? Are we done? We're mm-hmm. done. Good night, everybody. <laughs>